I'm sure I wasn't alone this weekend. The soundtrack playing through your house as you binge watched episodes of The Crown. That's what I did over the weekend. I'm into season three. I have to say, I think this season is amazing. The guy, the acting is high, high quality. I mean, it was, Claire Foy was amazing as the queen, but Olivia Coleman looks more like the queen. I mean, she really does. I think Claire Foy was too pretty. No offense to Elizabeth. She was okay in her younger years, but I think the, um, the fact that they've casted uh, Olivia Coleman, it's a little uh, closer to the truth. You know, Queen Elizabeth and Olivia Coleman is a very normal looking woman, which I really like. I, I think she's an incredible actress. Do you know she's only 45? And The Crown, I went back a little bit to find out when this season starts, because based on what she looks like, I thought, um, is the queen supposed to be somewhere in her late 40s, early 50s? No, she's supposed to be 40 when this season three uh, starts. The guy who is playing Prince Philip, Tobias Menzies, is incredible, too. And Josh O'Connor, the young guy that is playing uh, Prince Charles. Holy moly. Chris, you binge-watched this uh, this uh, season of The Crown, right? Yes, yes, I did. I'm telling you, the, the, it was a powerful uh, episode, episode one. There's also an episode about a mining disaster, which was equally incredible. But Josh O'Connor even has Prince Charles's body language down. It's pretty impressive stuff. So clearly there's an infatuation with the royals, but I, I started thinking to myself while I was binge watching, wait a minute, um, maybe this story is all about how the royals are trying to keep themselves relevant, keep themselves in existence. And I think that's what it's all about, and that's why it's fascinating. John Boyko is author and contributor to the uh, Toronto Star. He is author of seven books. His eighth book is coming out in May. It's called The Devil's Trick, How Canada Fought the Vietnam War. And uh, he has an interesting column that I noticed in the star, a prince of an idea cutting our ties to the monarchy brings up the idea of like, if we even need the crown anymore, John joins the show right now. John, pleasure to have you on. Good morning. Happy to be here. Hey, are you watching the crown? I have seen it. I have binge watched it myself. Yeah. Fantastic series. It is. Did it get you thinking the same thing as, as I thought? Uh, wait a minute. This is all about how the Crown tries to keep themselves relevant in an ever-changing world. And also, are they relevant now? Well, I believe they are relevant in a way that we uh, truly enjoy celebrity. And I think that that is become what the Crown is all about with respect to Canada uh, with respect to the United Kingdom, who knows what the relevance is going to remain there. If Brexit carries on and the fallout happens, then the United Kingdom is going to be neither united nor a kingdom. And who knows what their future is going to be there, let alone in Canada and all of the other former colonies. Now, your column in the Toronto Star, A Prince of an Idea, leans very heavily on the idea that, you know, Andrew basically has been told, you know, you stay away from the royal family and just quietly just fade into the background because you're not helping us out at all, especially after we found out or the world knows now that you have an affiliation or, or were affiliated with Jeffrey Epstein, the the pedophile who is now deceased. Um, he was convicted. So I think we can say he's a, a pedophile and a sex trafficker. Um, but let's talk about the fact that uh, you think that we should step away. We've been stepping away from the monarchy for a long time. You say the first steps involved saying no. Can you go through the history of Canada saying no to the, the crown? Well, I can, and that is essentially the point that I'm making, is that if we decide as Canadians that we are going to end our ties to the monarchy and become a truly independent country, um, 
then it will not be a radical step because we have been taking this long stroll to sovereignty for years. And some of the steps I talked about with respect to saying no happened uh, pretty soon after 1867 when, when Confederation began and our, our, our links to the, to the Queen and the monarch remained. What happened is we said no when the Britain asked us to go fight their war, contribute to fighting their war in South Africa, the Boer War, and we said no. Now, that was a pretty ballsy thing to do. We were saying no to the, to the Crown, and we sent volunteers, but not our army. A couple of years later, there were other problems, uh, imperial problems in Turkey, and we were again asked to contribute Canadian troops, and we said no altogether. We didn't send volunteers. We simply said no. A couple of years after that, when Britain was in an arms race with Germany that really manifested itself in building bigger and better battleships, we were asked to contribute money to build, help build the British, Arm, British Navy, and we again said no. We built our own Navy. That was the first time that we actually began to build our own Navy. Another example is we signed a, a fish treaty. The treaty itself doesn't matter very much. It was called the Halibut Treaty in, in 1925. And Britain had always co-signed whatever treaties we had made with other countries, including the United States. And this time, Canada said, no, again, you don't need to co-sign. You are no longer our mother who needs to come to the bank and co-sign for a car loan like we're a teenager. We are signing this treaty on our own. So there are a, num a number of other examples I could cite. But here are a number of examples where we simply said no to Britain and were slowly taking part in this walk toward true independence. What were the consequences, if any, from saying no? There were no consequences. Hmm. There were no consequences whatsoever. We had stood up and said we are growing up, and there were no consequences. All right. You also talk about the fact that uh, Lester B. Pearson uh, turned his back on Britain. Can you get into that? Well, he turned his back on Britain when in 1956-57, the Suez Crisis, was uh, such that it looked like Britain and France, who were allied, were going to drag the world into war. And Lester Pearson, who was the external affairs minister at the time, uh, went to the UN and negotiated with a number of other countries and stood up with the United States against Britain and said that we are going to end this. And that's when peacekeeping was developed as a, as a way of uh, putting uh, the blue helmets between uh, two fighting sides. And Canada stood up against Britain, won the Nobel Prize for having doing so. Lester Pearson was also instrumental in continuing the integration of our uh, continental defense. So we no longer depended on Britain for defense. We um, were tied with the United States, an asymmetrical arrangement given, but we are tied to the United States and not Britain. Uh, Pearson was also instrumental in bringing about the end of the Union Jack as our flag, and we now have the distinctive Canadian flag that we're also proud of. And kids in school stop singing God Save the Queen every morning. That's funny I because, John, I remember doing that too. I'm a Gen Xer, and I remember singing God Save the Queen and Oh Canada. And I kind of feel right. like we sang God Save the Queen first. Right. And now, as I did as a kid in school, but now it's Oh Canada alone. And it kind of disappeared, many, and, and, I don't, and no one even commented. I remember we just stopped singing it one day. Exactly. And we don't have Dominion Day anymore. We have Canada Day. So we've been taking all of these steps, 
along. And, of course, the biggest step was when we patriated our Constitution in 1982 so that we no longer have to go hat in hand to mom and say, please, could we amend our Constitution? We do it ourselves. So the point that I was trying to make in the article is if we finally sever our ties with the monarchy, it will not be a radical step coming from nowhere. We have been taking this walk toward true sovereignty almost since the day that that the BNA Act was signed in 1867. There's also going to be a cost savings involved in uh, if we decide to, you know, uh, get rid of the crown. What would that be? Well, there will be a cost savings because the governor general, who is the Queen's uh, representative here in Canada, and we know that the governor general um, has no power, ceremonial power, but no real power. Um, And the governor general and the lieutenant governors, lieutenant governors in each of the provinces, cost upwards of $50 million a year to maintain them with their salaries and their staffs and their housing and and transportation and everything else. We also have heard in the last year that a number of former governor generals are billing outrageous amounts, or a million dollars, um, uh, uh, some of them, for their duties that carry on after they have stopped being governor general. Um, now, I don't think saving the money should be the reason, because $50 million, after all, in terms of the Canadian federal budget is a rounding error, but it's still significant money that could be saved. I think the real reason to to sever our ties with the monarchy is to establish ourselves as a truly independent country, no longer tied to what is a foreign monarch. John, the Queen is currently our head of state, so what do you propose we do with that position? Do we elect a president? That could happen. What I have advocated is a constitutional uh, conference, and I know that people of a certain age, me, uh, think of a constitutional conference, and we think back to the trudeau Lebec days, uh, Lougheed and all of the rest, and, and shudder. We think of Meech Lake and Charlottetown and think, oh, my God, let's not open that can of worms. But let's indeed open that can of worms, because not only would we be dealing with this step and perhaps uh, forming a Republican with a president and doing the rest, that's for the conference to decide, But what I have said is, at this conference, let's do what they did in 1867. They did a lot wrong, and those men were not perfect, and they were all men, followers of the Confederation. Let's have each of the provincial premiers, territorial leaders, but let them also show up, as they did in Charlottetown in 1864, to put our country together with their opposition leaders. Let us have the Indigenous leaders at the table. Let them discuss not only ending our ties with the monarch, bring the complaints and ideas of the bloc, bring the complaints and ideas of Wexit to the table. Let's settle it. Let's settle those claims once and forever. Let us adjust and modernize our, our, confederate, our confederation one more time, because these national conversations, uh, while they can bring forth emotions, they are necessary. They yeah, are but necessary. is the, is this the time, John? Because we are really divided. That is exactly the time to do it. Hmm. If we are divided, as we were in the 19, late 1970s and early 1980s with Quebec referendum and the rest, that is the perfect time. Um, when Trudeau, Trudeau the senior, um, brought together those premiers uh, in order to look at our, our constitution, the West was at that time talking about separating as well. Lougheed was a very powerful premier, the premier of Alberta at the time, as was 
the Premier of Quebec, um, Lebec, trying to take Quebec out of Canada. So times of division, that's not the time to hide in the sand. That's not the time to say, let us not talk about those things. That is the time where we have to talk about these things. Okay, you're talking about cutting our ties with the monarchy, but you're leaving out the fact that there's a huge cult of celebrity. You know, Meghan Markle, especially here in Toronto, people, you know, are kind of claiming her as, a, you know, a Torontonian, even though she's American, married to Prince Harry now. Uh, we got a lot of young royals that people are following on, uh, not only on social media, but they're completely infatuated by, you know, they pick their clothes based on these people. Uh, what's the appetite going to be like for the younger people to dump the, the crown? Uh, I'm sorry. I can't allow uh, my thinking that uh, because people have this cult of celebrity, that we should therefore surrender to their need to have something new on their Facebook page every day is the way that we need to go forward as a nation. Um, The cult of celebrity is what gave the United States Donald Trump. The cult of celebrity is not something that should determine what we should do as a nation. I appreciate your time today, John. Thank you so much for joining us. Really interesting stuff. Thank you. I appreciate it. Cheers. John Boyko is an author and contributor to the Toronto Star, a prince of an idea, cutting our ties to the monarchy. You can read it today at CIS column.